So here I am with the latest uh, episode of The Worlds of M.W. Lewis. It's been quite a month. I messed up the interview with Wendy earlier in the month, or at the end of February, actually, and I meant to run this interview probably a week ago or two weeks ago. But when I recorded it, it didn't pick up me asking the questions. So I had to write them all out, listen to the interview, listen to her responses, write out the questions again, then record all the questions, then had to slice and dice the interview with her and insert the questions. So you'll notice that it sounds like I'm reading the questions. When I actually did the interview with her, it was a lot more conversational. The good, good part about it is I could tell from the long, blank, or soundless uh, pauses between Wendy's answers that I talked too much anyway. So I was able to cut that down by just reading questions out and, have, and, and then splicing in her answers. That's all that's going to be in this uh, edition of the podcast, or this episode of the podcast, I should say. I didn't get to a lot of the other things I wanted to do this month, like collecting the stories about the long gap in playing. I didn't get to uh, the emergency uh, podcasting system. I do have a backlog of calls. So, just lots of things I didn't get to this month. As I mentioned in the last uh, episode, I had a death, a close friend died. I went up to Pennsylvania to spend time with his widowed wife, his daughter, some other friends. And it's just been a real drag after that. Just a real drag. I, I, just, I just didn't do anything last week except work. And for most of this week, uh, work as well. And, and we've been having some things uh, going on at home involving our cat and... I have a big trip coming up next week. I'm going to Dallas for work. Then I'm from Dallas. I'm going to fly to Minneapolis and attend DaveCon. And I will also be going with Lawrence, who I interviewed in my second or third episode of this podcast. So go back and listen to that. It was a really good in interview with Lawrence. So we'll be at DaveCon. I, I doubt I'll get a podcast up next week because of all the travel, and I'll be working while I'm in Dallas. So that's it. I'm going to run the interview next, uh, and then it's just going to be a, a close. So I'm going to say it right now to make sure you keep exploring the many worlds in your own mind, because there will be no conclusion to this episode. We're just going to run out the interview and end it, uh, an, an abrupt ending to this episode. So I hope you enjoy the interview with Wendy. She's a really good D&D uh, &D player, and I enjoy playing with her. I'm here with Wendy, a stalwart of my Monday night AD&D game. Hi, Wendy. Can you tell us about your character in uh, the game? Well, I started out as a character that was in the Rahazia module who that I kind of developed some. Um, she apparently, before I picked her up, was captured um, and put in a dungeon and was going to have her body used by witches, but the party saved my character, and then I joined them. I play Miriala. I am a an elven fighter. 
And Mariala wasn't defined in the module. The character had no stats, equipment, class, or anything. Isn't that right? It was like I had I had a high comeliness and I think I had a high charisma, but the rest of it was very empty. It was opaque. Yes, she had to have a 15 charisma or higher per the module, or the witches would not have captured her. And Alki wasn't too defined either. And after the module, you and Sean fleshed them out, and your Mariella is really cool. And we both wrote these long backstories because it helped us kind of conceive of who we were, but yeah, we just kind of made it up. <laughs> well, I stole some stuff from, um, well, actually from the Star Wars prequels. I decided that she was a decoy, that she had lived kind of a poor farming life, that she had practiced things like her fighting skills and her shooting, you know, kind of shooting rats in the barn. She was good with her hands, but they needed a very pretty decoy who could fight to play Rahazia when Rahazia wasn't supposed to be in dangerous situations. So I decided that she got kidnapped, insisting to the witches that she was Rahazia and thinking that she could fight them off. But she doesn't know magic. She only knows fighting. So the witches just subdued her really easily and took her. So having been captured by the witches in the module Rahazia and seeing the young male elf Siswa of Kota Hutan captured hypnotically by the Rahid, Miriela now strongly desires to save people who are enslaved. She even joined the Brotherhood of Chainbreakers. Oh yeah, definitely. So she she definitely feels a lot of empathy for enslaved people and was an easy mark to join the Chainbreakers in our game because what that felt like. And she'd also just been really dirt poor, which is interesting because a lot of the characters... On the adventurers team she was joining had like more solid backgrounds <laughs> and she'd like never seen that much money in her life and she was just very simple i think i also kind of conceived mariala as being in some ways like a very simple person like she isn't stupid she has an intelligence of nine but she's kind of simple she wants to be a good person she's a very good fighter she wants to do the right thing but she's not like a deep thinker she's not sitting around thinking about all the opportunities she has and going for the best ones being shrewd she's i care about these people this seems good to me like so regarding alignment we got in a discussion after a session back in december this wasn't too long after the party encountered ogre women and children and this is the first time in our Monday night AD&D game where the party had a real moral dilemma to kill the young ogres or not. The dilemma comes up in the Goblin Cave in Module B2, Keep on the Borderland. And Mariella wasn't around in the game when we played B2. And Wendy, you had a lot of thoughts on, on this moral dilemma and the alignment scheme which is sort of what led to us doing this interview. So why don't you tell us a little bit about those thoughts? Well, my thought was, my thought, I think what I said was, I'm not going to go for the children first. If they attack me, all bets are off. But I'm not going to target them because I, I tend to play Mariella very viscerally. I don't see her as a deep thinker. And I thought, you know, she'd just walk into the situation and her first thought wouldn't just be like, let's kill some children. She actually did go for the women. I was going to say, five-year difference. 
there's a lot more gray areas. I, it's funny. I have literally never played a fighter before I joined this game. And I never played 1E. So I didn't realize how different it was. I mean, I understood how different like the things like combat were and the stats, but I didn't understand how different alignments were. There's so much gray in five. And especially like being a druid, like I'm sitting there trying to do all these deep moral calculations. I've got this really high wisdom score. You know, am I going to see a goblin as a fellow creature or something evil? Am I going to act like something can be redeemed or not? Am I going to kill first and ask questions later? Or am I going to be all like, I want to protect everything that's not human. And then I come into this game and apparently I'm not supposed to do any of that. Didn't know that. Um, knew my character wasn't a deep thinker, but didn't know that she wouldn't have those kind of visceral reactions. Um, I'm all in as a role player. I'm one of those people. I don't care what I would do. I'm going to play whatever character you give me to the hilt. So when I realized my character wouldn't feel that way, I was like, okay, I'll just, I won't do that then. <laughs> So when it comes to these moral dilemmas, dilemmas, there there's two ways I will run a game. I am a little flexible. I, I do insist we play the alignment system, and once chosen, I want the characters to stick to their alignments. But I'm a little flexible on this un, this idea or the genre of absolute good versus absolute evil. I'm willing to make it not so absolute if the players are really uncomfortable with the moral decisions. So the first way is the original way. I'll run the game where all good-aligned characters are part of this universal battle between good and evil. And I should say all good and evil-aligned characters. And all lawful characters are in a battle against the chaos of the universe. And all the chaotic characters are in the battle, a universal battle against lawfulness or order. Thus, a lawful good paladin who is the epitome of a holy warrior, will always smite goblins, even the baby goblins. And goblin babies radiate evil just as strongly as a high-level chaotic evil cleric or lawful evil cleric would radiate evil. Now, if the player, again, if the players don't like this absolutism and they, they want the uh, room in the game to not kill babies, they just couldn't live with themselves. I will generally say, I will say generally, goods oppose evil, but they can draw the line at always slaughtering evil. And vice versa, by the way. Evil could draw the line at times. They don't always have to kill babies to prove they're evil or to participate in this universal battle. They can make decisions to, to back off. So, uh, when that happens, though, if, if we're going to run the game that way, then the Detect Evil spell is really narrow, and it really only will be successful in detecting great evil, something that's so evil that it's easily detected. So, in other words, if a party uh, that includes a cleric with Detect Evil, or a paladin even, goes to that that goblin cave in module B2, and they cast Detect Evil at the entrance of the cave, I'm going to say they, they might not detect evil, especially if they went there on their own volition with the, the goal of sacking the cave for their own uh, self-aggrandizement. Not to smite out evil, but they're really just there to loot the cave. 
So, and I think players get it. I think players understand that. Now, you explained to me that as a 5e player, you aren't used to this genre of absolute good versus absolute evil, or even not absolutely versus each other, but generally opposed to each other. So it was a real eye-opener for you that you would actually be inclined to kill ogre children. I don't think I'd be chasing the babies down the tunnel, but then again, I'm not a paladin, so I might be if I was a paladin. And you can tell, can you tell us what is Mariella's alignment? Neutral good. I think part of it for me too is I'm used to playing characters that are sort of like philosopher, clages, mages, or clerics who just think about these things really deeply and having to think about Mariala just being like, no, she's going to go with whatever visceral reaction she has at any given point and trying to figure out what that visceral reaction is. This discussion of alignment was eye-opening to me too. I had no idea you as a 5e player didn't know what the old 1e alignment system meant. I kind of thought it carried over in some form or another into the modern game, but it, it seems it really hasn't, which is interesting to me. I didn't at all. I, I was using my definitions of good and evil. I wasn't, I mean, the way you explained it to me was, this is like, you know, you're a not a deep thinker. You're a person in the Crusades. The Christians are good. The Muslims are evil. That's the kind of alignment system you have when you're not playing a neutral character. Like you're not, you're not dissecting gray areas. You're not being a philosopher. That's just the response your character would have. And I thought about it. I was like, that makes sense. It's not how I would define good and evil, but if that's the paradigm, then let's do this. So the true neutral is a character type that views the world better off with balance. The forces of good should never get the upper hand over the forces of evil, nor vice versa. Kind of like the new Star Wars flicks where they talk a lot about balance between the dark and the light side of the force. So that would be the goal of a pure neutral, to see a balance between good and evil in D&D. In fact, when I learned about your, your newfound appreciation of the alignment system and the fact that you were really, Wendy, outside the game, really doesn't feel comfortable with the idea of killing babies, even if they are evil babies, I said to you that you could consider making Mariala a neutral character. Well, when you said pick a character you're willing to play and you offered to make me neutral and I thought about it and I was like, I can do this. It's not a big deal. Like, I think what I said to you too is like, you know, I know like I'm a liberal and I seem like a wishy hippie, but like this is an Ender's game. Nobody's going to die because I do this. I know that. <laughs> now, for me personally, you, you mentioned Ender's games, but for me personally, I prefer the genre of strict good versus evil because it makes the game cleaner, and otherworldly to me. If players can train ogre babies to be good, then I would really question what's the rationale for going out and killing ogres at all? Why don't we just send emissaries and always try to negotiate with creatures that obviously can be morally good or evil? Um, likewise, if you're in a Boulder Gates kind of scenario, a Forgotten Realms kind of scenario, where you have a town and the town is inhabited by goblins, kobolds, humans, elves, dwarves, pixies, and all the various demi-human types, or even moving into 5e with tieflings, dragonborn, uh, whatever, ogres, uh, well, what's the justification for going around killing at all? Like, do you just imagine that there's 
this greater evil or just people who don't like you are evil or I, I don't get it. So to me, I just don't get it. If everything's a shade of gray, I don't get it because in real life, I'm, I don't really believe in good and evil in real life. I do think there's bad things and good things, but uh, if everything's absolutely good and absolutely evil, then that would justify a lot of killing on, on our real planet earth. And I, I don't like that. I, I feel I'm very anti-war to begin with. So um, when it comes to my fantasy, when I want to get away from it all, I like to read Lord of the Rings. I like to read C.S. Lewis, I guess. I like to read Paul Anderson. And I want my fantasy games to be like that, too. I want to just enjoy the game itself and not delve into these moral discussions. The irony is I was that kind of player in 5e. And I was the one that did those sorts of things. And sometimes they worked out for me and sometimes they didn't. But... Those were risks I was taking with a completely different set of rules and a completely different set of gambles. And my character was a completely different person who would do those sorts of things and who wasn't a, such a black and white thinker and who wasn't playing in such a black and white game. But yeah, you you are who you are. And and like you said, Mariella was a pre-created character. She didn't really have, I don't know, the pragmatic, thoughtful, cunning, self-centered nature of a neutral character. That just wasn't who she was. So this comes back to what I talk about with the pure neutral character. They seem to see the gray areas of the world. They see the need for good at times. They also see the need to act evilly at other times. They know order has a place in the world, but chaos also has benefits. The neutral alignment is a good one for those who don't want to be part of that universal battle between good and evil. And it, there's a big misunderstanding. Neutrals aren't selfish. People like to think that neutrals are selfish characters, and some people will act them out that way in the game. And others also think chaos means selfish, and they'll act it that way also. But I disagree. I think neither of those alignment types are actually selfish. It doesn't mean being selfish. It's, I think it's a way of viewing the world. It's a philosophy. And a lot of players get that wrong, too. So that's kind of unfortunate. <laughs> that's the other way to play it. But yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about what you're saying, and I know that's true. But I think one of the things I came to, and you can disagree with this, is that that's actually a very profound cerebral position to be a neutral and to be a true spiritual neutral, not like a selfish neutral. And I kind of thought to myself, Mariala is not that person. She hasn't given this a lot of philosophical thought. It, she wouldn't be that person. She'd either be a selfish neutral or she wouldn't be a neutral. That's interesting. And you are right. Philosophically, you could say those who blindly adhere to good or evil are simple-minded in a way. And I'm not saying that's true in real life, and I don't think you are either, but it definitely is a way to look at it. And I think you play it that way. I think Mariala um, de definitely uh, is kind of blindly good, and she definitely blindly follows uh, Alki and his, his desires, too, because they're, they're generally good, too. Exactly. She would be like, it's the goodies versus the baddies. <laughs> Another consideration is not only is Mariella sort of simple-minded in her belief in good, but she's also an elf. And elves, you know, elves don't like goblins. They kind of hate goblins. And I, I play that up in my game. And it's mutual, too. I mean, every time we saw a goblin, they'd be like, die, elven scum. So, like, there wasn't a lot of room for growth there. <laughs> 
So, Mariella is a simple, good player, or good character, and an elf. And that's really how you play her, and it, it really is quite uh, wonderful how you play Mariella. I really tried to take that Crusades metaphor as far as I could, because that just isn't how my mind works. And I tried to think, like, how would that person think? How would that simple-minded, convictioned person who just doesn't see nuance and just that's what's right, how would they approach everything? And Mariella is strong in her conviction. She does tend to follow Alki, but that's because Alki is good. And Alki's generally doing good things. He never does anything evil. He is chaotic, though. He's not lawful. But I don't think uh, Mariella minds that as much. He humors me. <laughs> um, I don't know if everybody listening knows this, but he's my husband. So he humors me a little bit. But I think he's like you and that he prefers a, a tough alignment. Getting back onto the topic of the pure neutral, uh, it's interesting because the alignments are aligned with uh, pantheons of gods. If you look at the deities and demigods booklet and also other discussions of, of the gods in, in the various books. Um, and it's interesting that the Druids must be pure neutral because their religion is nature. They worship nature and their religion is nature. And I guess it's it's fair to say that in this universal battle between good and evil, the earth itself or nature itself is the neutral battleground upon which the the contestants operate. So nature is by inherently neutral in this big battle, and therefore the druids are neutral too. Which again means they don't want to see any of the forces. Uh, either whether they are the forces of good or the forces of evil win out in this battle or the forces of chaos uh, overtake the, the forces of law. Uh, I think if you worship nature, if you understand nature, nature follows laws at times and nature also is very chaotic at times. I think nature thrives through uh, wanton death and destruction and it also thrives through uh, life and growth and everything good. So nature really does capture all of it, and that's why I think nature, this is my belief, I think nature is very neutral to these other considerations, and I think that's then why the druid has to be neutral. Well, it's so funny, because I'm such, I'd probably be a druid, like Wendy would probably be a, a neutral druid if she were a character. I mean... I'm kind of pagan. I very much am into gray areas philosophically, all that stuff. But I think part of what I like about D&D is you get to play a character that isn't you. I mean, for me, that's part of the fun. I'll throw myself into any character. You know that, like, you gave me a hooker once, and she was just such a real hooker and a real person, and she thought like a hooker, and that, for me, is half the fun of it. So, yeah, I mean, if Wendy were a D&D character, she would totally be your druid. But... I'm not Wendy when I'm playing Mariella. <laughs> it's interesting, as you mentioned, these other characters I assigned to you guys for some of these side adventures that you would consider, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, what you're saying, that a hooker would really not be of a good alignment, but you still acted her out really well. And you did. You played the, the hooker thief character very uh, cleverly in the game, and I was very impressed, always very impressed with your role-playing but I would say, if I look at the alignment system as spelled out in the player's handbook, I don't think a hooker or has to be uh, any anything else than a, a good alignment. 
Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I guess what I meant to say is I don't think a hooker has to be anything other than a good alignment. Um, I think they can be a good alignment. And they may not be lawful, though. Maybe it's illegal to be a prostitute. But that doesn't necessarily, just because somebody breaks the law doesn't mean they're not good. It's fun, though. Yeah. I like to play Monopoly, even though I'm not, like, a very good capitalist. I'm not that ruthless, but, like, I love, I love giving people Monopoly. <laughs> so how do you find 1E after almost two years of playing it? It's interesting, though. I disagree. I know you and Sean both prefer 1E. It depends on my mood. I love 5E. And I love 1E. They're very different experiences. And as I've told Sean, there are things I like better about 5E. There are also things I like better about 1E. And I just try to keep my head on straight. I mean, I try to, I'm the kind of player who will always reread their character when they first sit down, remember what edition I'm playing and really just try to get my head on in the right thing because I'm playing several games at once and it's like where I am, I am. 